Live your own way in the powerful Isuzu D-Max. Visit your local Isuzu new dealer today. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. Mornings with Mark Duffield. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Toolkit Depot studio out here at Optus Stadium in Perth, looking out the window. It's a... Oh, I can feel the transition taking place from autumn to winter, unfortunately. And autumn is lovely in Perth. Winter is still winter. It's great to have your company. It's a big day. We will, as usual on Tuesday, have Fremantle legend Paul Hazelby, of course, one half of the run home with Hayes and Mardo at 3 p.m. weekdays on SEN. He will dissect Fremantle's great seven-point win over Melbourne at the MCG, their second round 11 win against the Ds at the G in as many years. We're going to talk to AFL Life member, West Coast legend, great goal-kicking champion Josh Kennedy, about the Eagles' 50-point loss to Essendon, it was better than the 116-point loss against Hawthorne the week before. Yes, absolutely it was, but it's a long way to go before the Eagles can produce a performance that Adam Simpson is going to be able to hang his hat on. What did Josh make of it? We will find out this morning. And we'll also talk to the Eagles' general manager of football, Gavin Bell, about the ongoing injury turmoil at the club and West Coast strategy heading into the mid-season rookie draft, which takes place tomorrow. Gavin may have some news for us when we speak to him after our first break. How many picks will the Eagles take? And will he give us a hint as to who they take first? Who should they take first? You can let us know and have your say on the show. You can join in on the Temper at Bedshed text line. That is 0487 736 736, or you can call us. On the open line, that is 13 12 55. But we are brought to you by Isuzu Utes. You can live your own way in the Isuzu D-Max. Let's get started with some Isuzu D-Max four-wheel driving you to work. Four points about West Coast and Fremantle to start us off. Point one, the Eagles will wait until they get news about Jermaine Jones' surgery on his ankle before they commit to taking a second pick at the mid-season rookie draft. They will definitely take one pick. If I was them, I would be taking two. As I mentioned on Scotty and Goss for breakfast a few minutes ago, if nothing else, the second pick will add durability to a fragile squad. Last week, club chairman Paul Fitzpatrick told us they needed to start planning for the worst outcomes with the returns from injury of their senior players. And for me, that means taking more than one pick. My understanding is that the Eagles have sought and received uh, an undertaking from the AFL that if the surgeon's report on the likely comeback time for Jones is close to the end of the season, they will be allowed to free up a list spot. My argument would be that Jamie Cripps in particular might be touch and go enough for the Eagles to take at least that one extra pick, add some durability to their squad, get some stability into their waffle team, create a better environment for their young players to develop in. Point two, if you are the Eagles, would you take Gippsland Power's Ryan Marich with your first pick? Marich is a 193-centimetre second or third forward who's shown good aptitude also playing in the midfield and defence. He's shown a lot of character. 
because his weight blew out during the COVID-19 pandemic. He's fought his way back to full footy fitness. He's got good footy smarts. He's said to be a very popular figure amongst his teammates, and he's said to be okay with a move to Perth to play for the Eagles. There appears to be a general consensus that he is either the number one pick or the number two pick in this draft. Do you want the mid-sized tall with a number of uses, or would you prefer the big bloke with a specific use, like Claremont's Jack Buller? Huge competitor, 199 centimetres tall, 100 kilograms heavy, comes at the ball with some serious intent. What do you think? Point three, can Fremantle win a challenge to Jager O'Meara's one-match ban for the dangerous tackle on Melbourne's Charlie Spargo on the weekend? O'Meara pinned Spargo's left arm and took him to ground with momentum, which is the exact action that has gotten players suspended throughout this year. I have just one query on the one-match ban. Did Spargo's head actually hit the ground? I know his hair brushed the ground, but Charlie has a lot of hair. He certainly bounced up like his head didn't make any contact. And can a player be suspended because the action is likely to cause injury if the action did not result in the head hitting the ground? I suspect that'll be a big part of what the Dockers will argue at the tribunal. Can they win? The AFL tribunal stance on these issues so far this year suggests they won't, but it's a fascinating question. It's going to be a fascinating case. Point four, if you are the Frio match committee and O'Meara's band stands, who is the player that comes into the team for him against Richmond? Is it Neil Erasmus, the teenager who did nothing wrong when he was brought into the team for two weeks to replace the suspended Matt Johnson? Or is it Will Brody, the big-bodied mid who played so well last year and polled more Brownlow votes than any other Dockers player other than Andrew Brayshaw? Brody polled 11 votes in the Brownlow last year, folks. The pair had virtually the same number of disposals for Peel in the waffle victory over West Perth last weekend. Who is ahead in the pecking order at Frio right now? Some more 4 by 4 points to get you driving to work this morning on the rest of the competition. Point one, the Eagles might have won one game, have a percentage of less than 55 and be the subject of relentless attack by the local media in particular. But if you weigh up the talent available at Carlton with two gun forwards, three gun midfielders and three gun defenders running around in their team for four wins, six losses and a draw next to their name at the moment, who has been the most disappointing club? We've heard board member Craig Matheson lost it in the rooms after the defeat against Sydney and then stepped down from the board after an angry clash with President Luke Sayers. Which club will submit to change first? Point two, if Brisbane's Dane Zorko put his hands on the face of Adelaide's Luke Pedler at the weekend with one finger pointed and rubbing in the vicinity of his eye having reached under Pedler's arm in a tackle to get there, why is Zorko's suspension only one week? Seriously, we're rubbing blokes out for laying tackles that go wrong now. What possible football function was Zorko performing? Point three, do we actually have to start suspending players for attempting to trick umpires into paying free kicks? We saw Western Bulldog Cody Waitman flat out take a dive against Gold Coast on the weekend, get a free kick and kick a goal in a game that went right to the wire. Luckily, the Bulldogs didn't win. We saw St. Max King flop after getting into a pushing match against Hawthorne's James Blank. 
We saw Adelaide's Taylor Walker make contact himself and initiate that contact with Brisbane's Harris Andrews, then go to ground when Andrews pushed back in, in retaliation in a bid to get a 50-metre penalty. I've heard commentators say that those players would feel embarrassed to see their actions caught on camera and won't do it again. I'm saying bulldust to that. If there are goals, 50-metre penalties and free kicks reversals on the line for it, players will do it until the end of time. If there are suspensions or heavy fines on the end of it, they will stop tomorrow. Umpires, if they suspect a flop, should tell the player concerned he's going to be investigated and it should be part of the MRO's review of the game. Punish it and we will stamp it out. And point four and finally, will the Gold Coast Suns play finals? And if they don't, is Coach Stuart Jew doomed? Matt Rowell and Noah Anderson are on the verge of superstardom now. Charlie Ballard and Sam Collins are credible intercept defenders. Ben King, Jack Lucosius and Ben Ainsworth give them formidable targets in attack. There are enough tools to get them there and they are close enough to make a run. The Suns have never finished higher than 12th. Is this the year? What do you think, folks? You can let us know on the temper at Bedshed text line. That is 0487 736 736. Or you can call us on our open line. That is 13 12 55. We'll take a break. After the break, we'll be back with the general manager of football operations at West Coast, Gavin Bell, to talk about their ongoing injury issues. This is Mornings with Mark Duffield on SENWA. Live your own way in the powerful Isuzu D-Max. Visit your local Isuzu new dealer today. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. Mornings with Mark Duffield. Yeah, we'll definitely take someone um, with um, Jai going out of the side or out of the... So when they, get, when they can no longer return, they go into long-term injury and you can put someone else on the list. Uh, whether we take a second pick or not, will be a discussion we'll have whether Jermaine Jones gets through his surgery good enough to come back this year. So there's probably four to five players who are around 17, 18 return to play and I want to keep that motivation still there. So for example, uh, Tommy Cole, to pull him out so we can put someone on the list means he can't come back this year. And yeah. I don't think we should do it to Tom and, and the depth of the mid-season drafts are not as strong as a normal draft. So. That was West Coast coach Adam Simpson talking about the Eagles' likely strategy heading into the mid-season rookie draft. We've got Gavin Bell, the general manager of footy operations, on the phone to chat with us about what the Eagles may or may not do. Before we get started, Gavin, uh, were you a Cold Chisel fan, mate? Oh, absolutely. 100% Cold Chisel fan. Me too, mate. My my morning feels better already for Paul Heath having to having put that on as the background music coming into this interview. I'm I'm up and about now, so uh, uh, absolutely. So when I spoke to you last night, we had a quick chat, and you thought that you may know uh, this morning as to how Jermaine Jones had come out of his surgery and what the prognosis was. Is there any update on Jermaine, or are we still waiting to hear? Yeah, no, we've got uh, an update late last night. Um, yeah, the surgery's all gone well. Um, he has had um, uh, some repairs and so on done, but it, we're uh, likely to see Jermaine return 
in sort of eight to ten weeks' time. So um, we'll just go with the one pick at this stage. Now Duff um, gives Jermaine the best chance and our other guys that are returning, uh, that are that are destined to return in the back half of the year, every opportunity to do so. So we'll have the one selection um, at the mid-season draft tomorrow. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here, Gavin, and I'm going to say, and this is just personal opinion, that you should take two and maybe one of those guys that's running the gauntlet right close to the end of the year, maybe sit them down rather than play them for one or two games and try and add some youth and durability to your squad. Give me the argument as to why that shouldn't happen. Well, to actually participate in the mid-season draft, it needs um, a player to be placed on the long-term injury list, an inactive list where um, the doctors, uh, the medical staff need to sign off that this player, uh, his injury is um, sig- is of the significance that he can't return. So um, with full transparency in our line of sight and all of that, we need to um, follow that process. And um, yeah, we not put uh, compromise our own integrity to do so. So uh, our position at the moment is that all the guys that have been out for a bit, we're, return- we're expecting them to return. Um, and um, we'll give them every chance to do so because um, getting some footy in before the before the season end is important um, for us as we go forward. Now the mail is is that Ryan Marich from Gippsland Power is the the player that most clubs have as the number one pick in this draft. Given that you are the number one pick, and uh, no one gets to pick before you, are you able to say you will take Ryan Marich with pick one, or are you still making up your mind on that? Uh, there's still a few things to do um, this afternoon now that we're clear on our uh, one selection. Um, I, I guess having a look over it um, again last night, there's sort of 320-odd players that have um, nominated for the draft. Uh, there's about 45 players too that have nominated terms so um, of 18 months um, and the rest are sort of a six-month contract um, basically. So there's a little bit to work through. Obviously, um, if you take... Uh, someone on an 18 month and they're guaranteed to be there uh, next year as well. So there's a fair few uh, moving pieces there just to make sure that it all fits in together with our strategy going forward with who um, the changes are at the end of the season and, and what we're looking to add through the through the national draft and through um, potentially free agency or trade. Given that Ryan would come from Victoria, and this is just hypothetically speaking, not making any assumptions that you would take him, would you be, if, if you bought him over here, would you need to feel comfortable that you could commit to him for um, an 18 month stint as opposed to bringing a kid out of Victoria for six months and then maybe sending him home? All those things definitely come into uh, the decision making, um, Duff. So, yeah, as I mentioned, there's 45 um, guys that have said they would like 18 months if they're going to come out of their local competition. Um, so, yeah, uh, whether it's a Victorian for six months, uh, whether it's a local boy for six months, uh, we'll weigh all that up. Um, it, it really comes down to what we think is going to be uh, the best for us. Bigger picture. Um, and, you know, Ryan is someone that we've talked about, but there's a number of guys that we've talked about too. So there's um, yeah, plenty, of, um, plenty of options for us having the first selection and we'll finalise everything this afternoon. The fact, and this will be my last one on Ryan, and then I'll move on, I promise, Gavin. Um, the fact that he's 193 centimetres, he's played a bit forward, he's played a bit mid, and he's played a bit back, um, I think, in um, in trial games so far this year. 
the fact that he has a multitude of uses, does that add to his appeal? Well, uh, at the end of the day, whoever we decide to take, um, it's going to be what they can add to our to our list and uh, the bigger picture of where we're headed. Um, if, if they fit within the profile that we're looking to add to our team, then we'll definitely keep a very open mind and, and finalise finalize all of that tonight. Um, Dom Sheed looked like he hurt an ankle or got a knock on his ankle in the game uh, on Saturday night. He played out the game, but he wasn't moving well. How has he pulled up and what sort of prospect is he to play against Collingwood this week? Yeah, I had a good chat with Dommy yesterday. Um, he's in line to play his 150th game this week. So we're preparing that uh, he would play. Yes, he copped a knock. Um, but we think it's just that at this stage, Duff. So um, all things going well. We'll uh, manage him during the week, um, give him to the back half of the, to our captain's run, really, and see how he is. But, yeah, we're expecting him to play. And um, if he plays his 150th, that'd be a wonderful achievement to get life membership and to be a premiership player and, Hopefully, with bigger and better things to come for Dom as we continue to go forward. Not just a premiership player, mate. The bloke that kicked the winning goal in the 2018 grand final. I think Dom Sheed, regardless of what he does going forward, is uh, assured of a place in footy history this side of the Nullarbor Plain. Tell us about him. Absolutely. Tell us about him as a player. Oh, he's quite, he's quite a unique player. Um, he. Uh, has the ability, it doesn't always look as fluent as some of the others. He, he can cover the ground well, Dom. Uh, his left foot um, is can be piercing, uh, can really actually open the game up for us. He's got a unique goal sense um, from the set shot that he kicked in that uh, in that game, but through to his ability to kick uh, goals on the run. Um, he's a really unique player for us, and um, he's also important for us culturally. He's a, he's a, a great guy. He's a country kid um, at heart, um, and he connects the group really well. So um, he also cares a hell of a lot about the, the club and the people within it. So, yeah, I, I'm a, a big fan of Dom's. Um, he's done a lot for us, and um, it'd be wonderful to see him uh, run out of his 150th and achieve life membership. Gavin, You've copped a lot of heat. The club has copped a lot of heat in recent weeks, and obviously that happens when you you are one and ten, and off the back of what happened last year, you've been accused of being a change resistant club. Now, is there more change going on at West Coast that we know about? Are you a change resistant club, or has the club been prepared to make changes that they just haven't made people more aware of? Yeah, well, we we made a lot of changes um, at the end of last season, Duff. We We've had about six six new staff appointed to our footy department, um, dietitians, psychologists, development manager, development coaches, a new strength coach. So we had, uh, we've had significant change there. And then within the existing staff, um, including myself, over the last six months, we've, um, we've changed roles. So uh, we have a new national recruiting manager in Dwayne Massey, who'll make, uh, who's got the decision as to make who it will be tonight. Um, Rowan, Rowan O'Brien is purely list manager now. So, yeah, we've had six or seven changes within roles um, and six or seven new people come on board. So, yeah, you're right, we, we haven't advertised that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say we're change resistant. But we're in a phase now where we need to keep evolving our program and evolving our people. And, um, yeah, we're certainly up for that. So that was actually the subject of a question from Noddy. He said, can you ask Gavin Bell about the combined recruiting and list manager role that Rowan O'Brien 
had been doing since Darren Glass quit is the club looking at splitting this role in the future and employing a modern thinking dedicated list manager. Are you confident the structure you have now uh, with Dwayne is um, is up to speed with what other clubs are doing? Uh, I believe so. Um, Rowan has uh, Rowan has been the list manager now for maybe 18 months, to be honest. Um, it sort of has changed a fair bit. We've had significant change in that role over the last sort of six to seven years. There's been a number of different people um, within that role. So including Brady Rawlings um, and Craig Bozzo filling that role with Glassy, as you mentioned as well. So there has been a fair bit of change in our list management position. Uh, Rowan was our national recruiting manager for a long time. He did share the role or combine the role last year as we as we went through some of the changes with um, Craig leaving the football department. And now we've uh, now we've split the role at the start of or in December basically split the role back and Dwayne heads up recruiting and Rowan's our list manager. Interview with um, Will Schofield and Luke Shuey. I think it was at halftime in the game the other night and Luke talked about players that were auditioning for the captaincy and he said. Um, the players that would become or could become captain in the very near future. Are we to infer and assume from that that this will be Luke Shuey's last season as captain of the West Coast Eagles? I, I didn't actually see the interview, Duff, so um, that is news to me. But, um, oh, look, I mean, the last two years, uh, we've sat down with Luke to see where he's at with the captaincy role, Um what the future holds, we, we haven't had any conversations about that with with um, with who will be the next captain. What what Luke's injury has provided us is the opportunity to expose Tommy Barras, uh, Oscar Allen, and Liam Duggan over the last six weeks, five or six weeks. Um, so just to give them the opportunity to to walk in the shoes of a captain for a couple of weeks. So yeah, just to to make sure that they're aware of what the role entails, whether that's Next year, 12 months' time, two years' time, uh, we haven't had those conversations as yet. It feels like that if there was a change at the end of the season and or for the start of next season, and I'm guessing that's more likely than unlikely, that's, again, just my opinion, would you be looking at a field of three, do you think, or, or is there more possibilities to come into that um, that group? Uh, we've never really cast it as, as, a, as a field. We've basically gone to the players once we've finalised our trademark, our values and the behaviours that um, we aspire to, to live and, and, to, and to, to breed really, um, we would generally, our process has been once we've finalised our, our trademark, um, we'd go to the players, they would nominate who they think is the best example of that on and off the field and then the votes are crunched and basically there's a... Uh, there's a process there that comes through to, to Simo and myself and then that gets ticked off by the board. So, yeah, that, that, that's been our process. Um, again, we haven't discussed this in um, in any detail at all, but I would assume we'd stick with what we normally would do and, and go from there, see what, see who came out of that, that player vote and, um, and sign off from the football department. But I'd be absolutely right in assuming that when Luke returns from injury in a couple of weeks' time, he will become the captain again. You won't be continuing to rotate the captaincy through the back half of the season? Uh, I would assume exactly the same, Duff. I, we, again, we haven't spoken about that. We're, um, we've been really focused on Luke's um, rehab program and hoping to get him back um, in, the next, uh, in the next week or two before the bye. Collingwood is a daunting uh, prospect 
Gavin, particularly when you go in with the form lines that you've got. Um, how is Morel in the team and how are you looking forward to the challenge this weekend? Yeah, morale internally um, remains strong and remains optimistic and positive. The players um, understand um, the path that we're on. We also acknowledge that we have had games who have been really disappointing and we've let ourselves down and, and those around that support us uh, down. So um, there's no false sense of, of where we're at, but there's also an understanding of where we're headed. So... Um, yeah, the players have been all in. We're trying um, as hard as we can to get our uh, our best team out on the park and to try and win some games of footy. And you're right, Collingwood's going to be um, a, a tough opponent. They're in uh, fantastic form. I've seen them play live a couple of times now. But again, um, our coaches will get to work as of last night in prep, preparing and trying to create a plan and a team that uh, will give us the best chance to, to beat Collingwood on, on Saturday afternoon. Gavin, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. We always appreciate your time on the show. Uh, good luck with the mid-season draft tomorrow. Hopefully you find someone who's going to be a 150-game player for the club and a serious player for the club. And good luck against Collingwood this weekend. Thank you, Duff. Have a good day, mate. Gavin Bell, he's the general manager of football operations at the West Coast Eagles. What do you think you can have your say on the temper at Bedshed text line? That is 0487 736-736 or give us a call on the open line. That is 13 12 55. We'll take a break and be back with more. Gov spot of one at the weekend. Bailey Banfield, right? This guy, he's on the rookie list at Fremantle at the moment. He can seriously play. I watched a lot of him this year and he just keeps bobbing up in the right spot, makes great decisions when he's got the ball. I mean, Bailey Banfield's not young, but it's like all the components of whatever have come together now and he's playing the best football of his career. I like it. That was Tim Watson talking about Bailey Banfield and his rise through the ranks at Fremantle in recent weeks, have to say. I declared him now inside their best 22. I'm going to put that to Paul Hazelby, our Fremantle legend, as he dissects Fremantle's win over Melbourne at the weekend. We'll be doing that after the break, but uh, first, let's... Have a word from the sponsor. Berating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. Mornings with Mark Duffy. Well, I'm on record already this year as saying Joy Amos kicks 40 goals. So he's my man. Another preseason with his goal kicking. I don't think he'll have heaps of shots this year. But he's that sort of player that can kick 40 goals 20 because of how lethal he is with that goal kicking technique. Amos, slow build up. Kicks straight as a diver. Big five from Amos over the top. He can't gather. Back to Amos. Stab across the body. The Dodgers, they keep coming. Paul Hazelby. And his pre-season declaration on Jai Amos, which I was a sceptic on, and I have to say, Hayes, welcome. Great to be here, Duff. I'm disappointed with myself. I, I, I reckon I went unders. Should have said 45-50 with Jai Amos. <laughs> that would have got everybody talking. Let's not get carried he away. He's a chance no, to get like... to 45, and he's a chance now to get to 50 in the final series if they get there, the Fremantle Dockers. But finally, he gets a rising star nod. And if he gets to 40... And 45 goals, he wins the AFL Rising Star Award. Will Ashcroft's been okay, dropped off a bit on the weekend. Harry Sheasel's dropped off a little bit, but I think we have to reward young forwards that are 19 in our game when they start kicking that amount of goals in their second season, basically first season, because he only played two games prior. 
It's Paul Hazelby, Dockers legend. He's part of the run home with Hayes and Mardo weekdays, 3 p.m. on SEN. He's just taking things one seismic momentum shift at a time. Mate, he's got three the last three weeks. If you extrapolate that out over the next 10 weeks, that is another 30. Add to the 19, 49 goals for Jay Amos. Uh, and he's a, only getting better. He should be an auctioneer. He should be an auctioneer. it was a good game by him. He was smart. He was clever. It wasn't the normal standard that we've seen from him where he leads hard, takes the marks. He had to go and work and find his own football, and he did it against two of the best defenders in the competition. I reckon it was a massive tick for his development. So the two most impressive bits of play were really the, the square-up kick mm. Um, to can't remember who took the mark now. Was it Banfield? Might have been Bailey Banfield. Yep, square up kick to Banfield uh, down on the uh, punt road end uh, of the MCG, and then the one up the other one was of course when he delayed the ball mm. and, and did a give and get and get again from with James Aish until Lockie Schultz could uh, uh, could get into position to give a contest in the goal square, and of course uh, both of those plays resulted in goals as well as the. The three goals he kicked himself. I am on Amos Watch, Hayes. I'm doing the calculations every week. He's gone from a 39-goal season to a 41-goal season in the space <laughs> of one week. So he's he's trending in the right way. Hey, they're going to challenge Jager O'Meara's one-week suspension for the dangerous tackle. The trend says he doesn't get off. But did you see anything in that incident that says they can get him off? Oh, it was a bit unique, wasn't it? Different from some of the other ones. But I think when you see the pinned arm and you put a player in a vulnerable position, regardless of whether the head was hit or not, I think the AFL now have changed their adjudication for potential to cause injury. Was there potential in that one to cause injury? Yeah, you'd say there was. Was it contributed maybe a little bit by the player? I think there's an element there that they could fight, but given what we've seen and known and where the AFL is heading, and for good reason, we want to head down this path, but it is becoming impossible for some of the players, and we are going to get to a case where the Brownlow medal winner does not win the Brownlow because of this. We're seeing big names. Just look across this weekend. Jay Gromira would normally be a contender to get votes. Luke Parker would be a contender. Zach Merritt got probably 10 votes by the coaches on the weekend. Um, could get another three votes. He could be actually inside the top three now, ineligible, and I think we're going to see a few more before season's out. Yeah. What impressed you most about the weekend, the win over Melbourne? It was done differently. So we've been talking about, you know, the bit more dare they've had. We've been talking about the ball movement. We've been talking about their stoppages and clearance work. But this was them winning ugly when it wasn't really working for them. And sometimes you have games where it's just not working. And I remember when I was coaching South Fremantle against a team like Subiaco at their best, they made you feel like it wasn't working. And it was just about holding your nerve throughout that game. And I remember I'd go down at quarter time, half time, don't panic, don't panic, don't worry about it. It's just not happening, but it will happen at some particular stage. But embrace that feeling. And Longmuir said as such at half time, he said, embrace the chaos because it was different. And sometimes you can lose confidence because every time you get the ball and you're going inside 50, it's not working for you. And then towards the end of the game, you get blown out of the park. But this was different. Their pressure is back to where it was last year. Like it is elite in the competition. Everybody plays a part in that. And it keeps them in games for a long time. The defense is back. They're not getting scored against. So there's a lot to like about the Fremantle Dockers. And it's a credit. I didn't feel and I didn't think it was going to happen this quick. But on the weekend, it was a very smartly coached win done differently, more about tactics, where they had to change their plan because it was Melbourne. And there's a few times I think you can do that against those teams that have – real assets. For the most part, 
teams need to be coached to do what they do really well. I think we've seen that over the last three or four weeks, but this one was slightly different and full credit needs to go to Longmuir and the team. Bailey Banfield, statement from me, response from you. Bailey Banfield is now in Fremantle's best 22. Yes, absolutely. He's proved that over the last few weeks. He he adds something very different. He can be like a centre-half forward. He's quite tall, and I think there's teams that disrespect him and they let him go because he's not the best kick. And if he can improve that component, he'll become an absolute weapon because for whatever reasons, clubs tend to drop off one player. They'll identify one weak link and they'll say, you go and get the ball. But if he can hurt them, it goes a long way. He can take a mark. He's very, very clever with his leading patterns to get into a hole. His work at ground level is significant, but his pressure and his team selflessness is also very good. So to play a role, you need one in your forward line that can do that. And we've seen, I think at Port Adelaide, they've thrown a few things around where they've put some um, defenders, Jones, Burn yeah. Jones and Burton as well, inside their forward line, you know, to play that defensive role, to get the ball to ground and just throw something different at the opposition. So I think there's a lot to like about Bailey Banfield at the moment, but it has to keep taking those opportunities. It's a massive moment in a bloke's career, isn't it? He takes that mark a couple of minutes from the end and he's, shooting to kick them clear. If he misses, Melbourne gets the ball back with a kick it up mm. the guts, roll of the dice. That's a, it's a huge sliding doors moment. I've pondered this in the time since, given Bailey's standing at the club and, and his, his fight to get into the best 22. That is a huge moment in a young bloke's career, isn't it? That goal. Yeah, it is. And you can tell that when he was having the shot, like in the past, I think the demons would come into his mind because the week before, I think he was brilliant. He kicked one, three. So goal kicking still an issue for him. Kicking inside the Ford 50 still an issue for him. But, um, you know, taking the pressure off and, and maybe going out in the future, and this can be a good thing and a bad thing, where you don't have that pressure on you for performance that you know if you put in one bad one, you're back out of the team where you get the confidence of your coach. And by being able to perform at the highest level against the best team, he's done it twice in two weeks against the best teams, Geelong and Melbourne now, that he can grow in confidence. And I think the supporters, but more importantly, the coaching group, have more confidence and faith in him. Let's assume that O'Meara doesn't get off. Brody or Erasmus to come into the team when they play Richmond in two weeks? Why not both? Why not both? So you've got Sean Darcy that goes out. You just so keep change, change the balance. Yep. yep. So change five. Does five become the ones that goes into the forward line and works with Amos and, and Tracy? Tracy goes in the ruck and there's an opportunity to bring two players into that position and just allow them to go through the midfield. Matthew Johnson to get more maybe inside time because he's been impressive. And just seeing, we talked about the smarts of Jai Amos, the smarts of Matt Johnson on the weekend to have the ball in traffic and look to give it off. And most players would have given that ball off and he just held it up and he didn't. And then he just changed the direction of the play. He's showing some positive signs. So more time for him. It would be that, that hierarchy. I think him first, whether it's Brody or Erasmus getting a bit more time, but five for this week could be the one that goes forward. Would you look at, a replacement for Darcy? Would you bring in a young Ruckman or is it No, a, I don't think so. You wouldn't bring in Sebet Quek at this point? Um, I thought about Sebet Quek mm. um, and he, his form in the waffle is good. Um, I just get the feeling that, look, it's a personal bias here. I want to see both Erasmus and Johnson in the team. Watching Johnson play in traffic is fascinating, isn't it? Mm. You know who he reminds me of, Hayes? Scott Pendlebury. I'm um, going back a bit further. David Mundy. 
I reckon he reminds me of you. Is that right? First season in the AFL. Now, it's only the poise that reminds me of you because he's quicker, bigger, more mobile <laughs> than you. But that ability to understand that you have more time than other players would think you have. To me, he has that. And I think, I suspect with you, it was peripheral vision and understanding what is to the side as well as what is in front. That's certainly the case with Pendlebury. Um, and he has that. And I just, he just has that, doesn't he? Yeah, you learn those traits, particularly for some slower midfielders. He's not slow, but you learn to hold the ball to be able to put your teammate out in space at the right time. Go too early, the defender knows what you're going to do, and they'll just shift across and defend. But if you could get them to commit to defending you, then all of a sudden it opens up for that other player with a handball over the top. And that was something they did better on the weekend. The handball forward was quite significant, and they used that to their advantage, probably because they didn't want to kick the ball long to May and Lever. But they just keep adding layers to their game. And I think that's a really good sign for Dockers fans. Yeah, and the defence is up and about now, isn't it? bit scratchy at the start Mm. of the year. Hayden Young was nearly taking a lot of marks, I reckon, for two or three weeks. He clunked a couple of big ones on the weekend when they really needed him to. He's the one. He's back. Alex Pearce, of course, has turned it right around. Uh, Brennan Cox had some moments too early in the year. But uh, collectively, they're back to where they were. Stingy, that's when they're at their best. But then now you throw in the element of the scoring, it makes for a, a better profile for the Dockers with three weeks prior to the last one scoring over 100 points. James Ace went into the middle a bit, and we see this again with James Ace, his ability to be clean under pressure. Like for a guy who's slightly built, he's not known as an overly robust sort of player, but he keeps his head still and he's very clean when he's in close. And we saw him get the ball out a couple of times, big clearances. I think uh, got it to O'Meara once for the kick inside 50 to, to Michael Frederick. It, it's, it's a part of his game that's underrated, I reckon. Knows his game. I think that's the beauty of him, that he doesn't try and go outside his limitations. He probably needs a bit of inside time as well. And there's an argument for another day about whether he could make it as a standalone inside mid. But we did see him a couple of seasons ago, might have been last year, go to Clayton Oliver and play a tagging role, but just beat him on his merits that day. So I think Justin Longmuir has been more willing to throw it around a little bit, to put the wingman on the inside, to put Brasher on the outside, to put O'Meara forward, to put Fife in there, Switkowski, uh, to put Jackson in there as a midfielder as well. And I reckon that's coincided with, you know, a few different players um, getting back into some really good form, but also just a bit of... um, I guess making it more difficult for other teams to scout their profiles when at the start of the year it just seemed like it was Sarong, Brayshaw, Brody inside the centre bounce and that was it. Now there's a few more weapons they can use. Let's talk about Jackson's game because that was the one that jumped off the page, wasn't it really? Yeah, it was. And everybody's talked about him in the ruck when he went into the ruck. That made all the difference. But he was playing well up until till that point. So Darcy started pretty well against Gorn and Grundy. And, and all ruckmen played pretty well. That was the great thing. But Jackson came out on top. He, he has surprised me with his agility around stoppage, that I'm loving the work that he can get the ball and then just go one way or the other and nobody can go with him. If he can just develop that part of his game where maybe he starts to explode out the front of the stoppage and either really handballs to somebody else, but even better, if he could become a kicking uh, ruckman of that size to kick and find somebody inside the forward 50, look out. And you can see it with him. His confidence is growing all the time. The more ball he gets around the midfield, He's going to grow in confidence in the forward line as well because he's touching the ball, he's feeling good about himself and he'll continue to improve that forward craft. And, you know, Sean Darcy out now, I think we get a bit of an interesting look 
about what the mix could look like with Jackson as the number one ruckman over the next week or two. I know we've got the bye this week, but I'm excited to see what he does as the ruckman because I believed he's more of a ruckman, mm. but as we've seen over the last four weeks, he's doing it all, and it's a credit to him for turning it around. Mid-season draft coming up. My understanding is that Fremantle have a very short list of players that they believe they would like to add to their list. If one of them is still available when it comes to their pick, they will take the pick. And if they're not, mm. if it's not, they won't. Are you happy with that strategy? Uh, I'd always, if there's one there, like, what's to lose? Just take it. Have a look. Get him inside the system. And you just don't know. They could become a very good player. It may not be for this year. And for the Dockers, it's not about them getting a game this year because they've got three players on their injury list. But, you know, John Newcomb was picked up. He'd just become an absolute gun for the Hawthorne Football Club. There's some players that just under a full-time senior system, having all those guys around and learning can make a big difference to them. So I, I would be suggesting take one. Just have a look. If it doesn't work, make it a six-month contract. If it doesn't work, what have you lost? I'll ask Josh Kennedy this coming up as well. Obviously, he talks about West Coast. But West Coast seem to be committed to just the one pick. You, staggered. You, I'm staggered. They, they just cannot make a tough decision. Like, make a call on one of those players, and so be it. They missed two weeks of footy. Like, this is a golden opportunity for them to fast-track their development. And all they care about is a player, you know, wanting – the drive to come back this year for two or three weeks. And I looked through their injury list prior to this. Jamie Cripps, according to them, is nine to 10 weeks away. Which puts him about round 20. Yeah. Uh, Round 20, he's got to come back through the waffle, you would have probably thought, for at least one week. So you're looking at three games. Um, Isaiah Winder is another one that's nine to 10 weeks, um, seven to nine. I don't know where he's at with his development and what they think about him next year, but... Oh, there's some players out there that, that look like, for whatever reason, it didn't work for them in their 18-year-old year, that they've come back harder, more aggressive, they've done the right things, that you could just change your club massively by adding, imagine them finding two guns, two good players right now, added to last year's draft, the year before, to next year's draft, to the year after, it could mean all the difference. I'm staggered by it, and it suggests that that's what West Coast do. They, they're not prepared to make big calls on some of their senior players. Paul Hazelby, he always tells us exactly what he thinks and always a pleasure to have him on the show. He's a Dockers legend. He's one half of the run home with Hayes and Marto. It's on SEN weekdays at 3 p.m. Hayes, thank you so much for your time. Always a pleasure, Duff. We'll do it next week. We will. We will do it again. We'll take a break and be back with more of the show after the break. Live your own way in the powerful Isuzu D-Max. Visit your local Isuzu Ute dealer today. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. Mornings with Mark Duffield. Before the Sydney game, I think Sam Doherty and Patrick Cripps didn't stay at the team hotel. They stayed at a boutique hotel in Paddington. I'd be surprised if you don't stay in the same hotel as other players, so that, that can cause an issue if... For example, you fly to go and play a game and two senior blokes go, I'm going off to a boutique hotel to stay, if that's what happened. Yep. That's, that's not what you do, in my opinion. You stay together at all the same hotel. You build that connection. The last thing you want is go, what about those two blokes? They're in this hotel and we're in that hotel. I don't agree with that. That was Caroline Wilson and Matthew Lloyd on Footy Classified debating whether Paddy Cripps and Sam Doherty should have stayed in the team hotel with the team when they played against Sydney at the SCG. Well, they did stay in the team hotel with the team before they played against Sydney 
at the SCG. And probably what has happened is they had booked into the hotel because their partners had gone to Sydney. And then after the game, um, they spent a night or two staying in Sydney uh, after Carlton had lost to Sydney Swans. So Carolyn Wilson, one of my journalistic heroes and one of the greats of the game, but sometimes in journalism when you zig when you should have zagged and Caro got that one wrong. All right, we'll take a break. After the break, we'll be back talking to Josh Kennedy, West Coast Eagles legend, AFL life member. Um, he speaks to us every week thanks to New Farm Galaxy for flexible broadleaf weed control. You choose New Farm Galaxy and Josh will be dissecting West Coast's 50-point loss to Essendon at the weekend. And we'll also talk to him about how he thinks the club should proceed heading into the mid-season draft tomorrow. Back after the news. Live your own way in the powerful Isuzu D-Max. Visit your local Isuzu Ute dealer today. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. Mornings with Mark Duffield. But chipping in to feed the ball out of the bomber's arms. But Oscar Allen has nipped in, taken the mark. But he's kicked the goal tonight. He gets there first. Oscar Allen, he is a ripper. 55 out, no surety. Doesn't matter. Does not matter. He said, I'll just kick it. And he did it with ease. Getting back, Barris. Oh, well done, Barris. I wanted to figure yeah, on what they're worth. We just had a chat to Brad Scott. Even the game's greatest coaches couldn't be doing much better. Or... Was he saying I wasn't one of the game's greatest coaches? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Adam Simpson, post-match, of course. Uh, Oscar Allen kicking four goals against the Bombers in another great display. Having a very good season. He's kicked 29 goals in what has been a very bleak season for West Coast. Josh Kennedy is a West Coast Eagles legend. He's an AFL life member. I actually made him an AFL Hall of Famer last week. I think that's a bit premature, but I'm sure he'll get there as soon as, he's, as, as, soon as he is eligible. He joins us on mornings thanks to New Farm Galaxy for flexible broadleaf weed control. Choose New Farm Galaxy. Josh, welcome to the show. Morning, Dust. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, mate. And more to the point, how are you? You're, you're Preserving that banged-up body, or are you uh, preparing to play more footy? No, I um, oh, I actually got asked to play on the, on the weekend because Northampton's had a few numbers down. But um, I contemplated it Tuesday. I was I was going to jump in and uh, just have a bit of a go on on the Saturday. But um, by Thursday, I kind of pulled the pin and yeah, I um, yeah, I didn't want to get out there and play just yet. So um, I've had about four weeks off and not training. So I um, haven't really done good prep. But, um, but yeah, it's been nice being able to walk around on my weekends and, and enjoy it with the kids. So I've been, I've been lapping that up. Do you miss it? Uh, I, I do a little bit. Yeah, I do a little bit. Watching games, obviously, uh, on TV and um, even just going to local footy and, 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 and watching them play. It's, um, I do miss it a little bit, but, um, but not enough to, um, to jump back into it yet. So they lose by 50 points to Essendon on the weekend. It's clearly a more competitive effort than the one the week before against Hawthorne, but what did you make of it? Yeah, look, obviously um, yeah, last week was obviously pretty pretty shocking and um, there was a fair bit of external heat um, you know, from, from outside noise with the club and, and everything going on. So um, for the players to, to come back out and, and, and put up a little bit more of a fight, it was it was good to see. And, and that's, I suppose, what all fans are asking for is just that bit of consistency and effort. Um, yeah, I think I think the way they moved the footy, they were they were pretty brave with the footy, which is which is great, which is how they want to play. 
Uh, but obviously fell down, you know, kind of in that front half on being able to connect and, and take those marks. Um, yeah, and then missing a few opportun- opportunities on goals. I think way Essendon play, you know, they they love to control the footy and, and play a bit of an uncontested mark game. And um, I thought West Coast were able to, you know, control it to an extent for three quarters. But that last quarter it opened up and um, obviously blew out to, to 50 points. But, you know, that that, that effort, um, you know, was there. And, and having a few um, guys back like Hearn and Yo, you know, you can you can really see the difference. Um, but, yeah, it, it's great to see us with the younger leaders, um, you know, stepping up. And, and Oscar's been terrific this year. And when things haven't been that great, um, to see him, you know, step into um, a bit more of, a, of that leadership role and, and also play well. And that's what you want. You want your leaders to be able to play well. Um, that's all you can ask at times like this. Yeah, I was fascinated with um, Paul Heath, the producer, doing Oscar in the play on uh, to your interview. I'm wondering whether he's – it's a subtle message, mate, out with the old, in with the new. We've run out of Josh <laughs> Kennedy highlights, so we're going to start playing Oscar Allen highlights. And, um He's going to have a few. He's going to have a few more than that coming up on so. I reckon he's going to be around for a while and have a few more highlights. <laughs> I, I did like Shannon Hearn's game on the weekend, um, Josh. Just his willingness to take the game on. He's such a great kick, and he'd gotten so safe. I reckon with the ball in his hands, and he would often do the safe one into the pocket and that sort of thing. And he never missed the target. But I, I was yeah. thinking. For, I mean, I've been thinking for a long time. You want Shannon Hearn biting the one off, keeping them inside the corridor, getting them moving. And he did that on the weekend. And it was almost off the back of that. He played more assertively and he came at the ball a little bit harder and got a bit further up the ground and got more involved. He got a couple of inside 50s and he really added something, I thought, to the team on the weekend. Yeah, well, yeah, Bunger always adds something to the team whenever he's in. And, yeah, I suppose over the course of his career, the way he plays when he is assertive and he is taking those kicks and um, pulling him into the corridor and... Um, you know, we've always had like a, an 80-20 rule kind of swim between the flags with kicking and, you know, um, his 80% is, is, is a lot uh, wider. Um, his flags are a lot wider than a lot of others. So for him um, to come, you know, straight back in and, and play like that, it's, it's fantastic to see because West Coast, you know, need him to play like that. And and obviously over time, the last this year, last year, um, the, the, the way the game style kind of went and uh, I suppose the inability to move the ball forward and, and turning it over, sometimes that can dent a little bit of confidence, um, you know, and you do take those safe options just trying to uh, get it into the forward half. But um, the way West Coast want to play, you can obviously, you obviously see they want to move it pretty quick with a lot more handballs this year and um, having guys like Hearn and, um, you know, Jermaine Jones, these guys coming up half back and really taking the game on, that does break those lines and is able to get it forward quicker and it, it comes with risk. Obviously, with what we kind of saw on the weekend, with with the guys being pretty brave with the footy, and there, there ends up being a few more turnovers. But you know, um, you start getting that skill execution um, up. You know, it can, it can really it's a it's a really nice way to play, um, especially being up forward. A player I reckon needs to be more aggressive with the ball. He looks like he's low on confidence at the moment, and it's affecting his output. Andrew Gaff is going very safe and very sideways at the moment. Do they need to get in his ear and, and urge him to bite a bit more off when he's got the footy in his hand? Um, yeah, well, Gaffey's been an, an amazing kick, you know, over many years. He's, he's one of, um, you know, I suppose as, as a player and playing up forward, I love leading the Gaffey because he's, he's such a beautiful kick. It's so weighted and, um, you know, he never really, never really misses. So, um, but for him, you know, some of his touches and where he's getting footy, sometimes you just have to take that that safe option. Um, but you know, someone like him and his ability um, and what he has at a skill level, you know, you'd love for players like that to be able to keep taking that game on, moving the footy pretty quick, and and taking a few of those risky kicks. But 
um, you know, in times like this, when, when when you're going through the trenches and you know um, trying to win games, you know, aren't there, um, and uh, the score keeps blowing out, um, it does it does play a bit of a mental toll on you in, in what type of kicks you want to be taking. Do you feel like he's got more good footy left in him, Josh, or do you feel like he's getting near the end? Uh, oh, look, he's he's still got. Uh, good footy in him. Um, you know, the way he came back this pre-season and lost a bit of weight and due to injuries, he's been have to shuffle around to different positions and uh, playing a bit more in the midfield and, and other certain roles that have popped up for, for the team. And um, Gaffey would never complain about that. You know, he always wants to do the right thing for the team. And, and a lot of guys have been played out of position um, this year purely for the fact of the injuries that they've had. So, um, Gaffey's been one of them so I, I still think he's got uh, a lot of good footy ahead of him he's very durable in the way he goes about it um, and he's lost a little bit of weight this year which you know you can you can kind of see it in the way his body shape is at the moment and um, that's only going to you know keep progressing that durability that he's got so I, I'm pretty confident he's got a lot more a lot more footy to give um, for, for a few more years because he did play injured last year didn't he I think he had a foot problem towards the end of last year yeah. and battled through with it yeah, he did. Yeah, last year and even I think back in the year before. Yeah, he had he had that foot injury, which you know uh, for him as as someone who you know usually wins the amount of K's um, running in a game, um, high possession kind of player. Um, yeah, when your foot's pretty sore, it does does hinder that a bit. So a lot of confidence can get dropped by that. But um, the way he's come back this year in, in terms of his body and got it right, you know, that just is a credit to him and, and the durability that. That he has, but um, but yeah, you know, for him um, playing, I think he's he's still got some really good footy um, ahead of him. I'll make a statement. I'll get you to respond to it. Bailey Williams is West Coast's most improved player this year. Yes, I I, I would have to say yes. Um, I think the way Bailey's gone about it, especially taking on you know that number one ruck position, um, he's had his chances up forward over many years when Nick's been playing there, but. Um, I think that he's just grown, you know, week to week. He started to really hone in on his craft, um, what his strengths are, and um, his his ability to jump um, uh, and get up in the air is is something that um, has been one of his massive strengths, and he's starting to utilise that. Um, his body technique, I think, in the ruck, he's really worked on, um, and he's just grown from game to game. And and obviously, there's been a few games where. You know the clearances haven't gone his way, but it was it was great to see you know um, them win the clearances, um, you know, and also the hitouts this week. Um, and yeah, he's just he's just growing and growing, which is um, which has been fantastic to see. Because they need to find a few of them, don't they? I mean, Bailey Williams. I, I wrote a list of five for Code Sports at the start of the year, and, and they were the players that have been around for a few years that the club was probably not sure about, and they need to find three or four of them because it just helps so much with the rebuild. And, and he is one I think they can put a tick next to now. A couple of others, Josh, that look low on confidence, um, Josh Rotham and and Jack Precicelli. Do you still hold out hope for them or are yeah. they running out of time? Um, I don't know if they're running out of time, but, yeah, the confidence thing is a big one, especially um, uh, with guys, you know, um, who have been playing in those positions for a few years now. Um, the team's not going really well and, um, you know, and that's another thing. When you, when you don't have um, that, uh, your main core of guys around as a team, sometimes it is hard to play well. And um, you saw that on the weekend with, with Hearn and Yo coming back into the side. That does elevate the younger players, play a little bit better. 
Um, there's a little bit more experience out there, um, you know, so um, it has been tough, um, especially Roth being down back, um, floating in and out of different different positions. Um, so, you know, I, I think they they do have some time, um, but, you know, um, the way that AFL goes, it, it can be quite brutal. Um, and, yeah, they've been around the system for a while now, um, but... You know, I think they just need that good core of players around them to help them and keep keep improving during the game day. Um, but they're always working on their craft, and um, it obviously comes to a point where yeah, the club and and want to part ways. But um, you know, they've got so much potential in 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 what we've seen over many years. And you look at um, Petch, even his speed and his ability to win the footy and kick goals. You know. Um, yeah, it's quite amazing what he could be as a player. So um, sometimes it comes down to a little bit of development. Sometimes it comes down to the individual. So um, hopefully um, they can keep progressing this year and see how the year pans out. I just wonder whether some players, players over time, either convince themselves they can or they convince themselves they can't. And I wonder whether both of those players yeah. are, com- are coming to a crossroad. And like we saw even on the weekend, they had great moments, didn't they? I mean, Petricelli kicked that great 50-metre mm. goal um, it, it went off the boot like a one would um, and soared through. And, and Rotham had the one-on-one win in the centre square. He turned quickly, got the ball inside, attacking 50. And um, and Oscar Allen was able to get a good one-on-one win for a shot on goal. So that's what they can do. Yeah. Um, we just yeah. need to see more of it. Um, Devil's advocate, the club looks like it's only going to take one pick in the mid-season draft. Um, they believe they will get some players back right at the tail end of the year and they want them to be able to play. Why not take two picks and get another fit young body in and just take a punt that you might find a player? Can you can you give us a player's yeah. version from inside the four walls, if you like? Yeah, well, uh, it's an interesting one because obviously decimated with, with injuries this year and um, obviously externally you can look at, you know, well, got that many injuries, uh, guys on long-term lists, you know, why wouldn't we take a couple of picks? Um, obviously there's one open up there um, due to Jai Cully um, and I'm not too sure whether they've still made that decision with uh, with JJ with his surgery and what they'll what they'll do with him. But, um, you know, there's... There is the possibility to take two or three picks, but you've got guys um, who have been in the system, some young, but some have been around for a while, and they are on long-term um, the injury list, but they're still able to come back and play four or five games. So for those guys, um, you know, telling them that they're not going to play purely just to get another spot on the list, you know, it can, can be, you know, pretty disheartening, especially the rehab that they're going through. And, and as a player, you just want to play and do your best for the team. Um, and if you are one of those senior players um, that's been around for a while, you know you just want to get out there and you're doing everything you can. So, um, Or you look at the bigger picture stuff on um, the guys who are on long-term injuries who, you know, in terms of their contract um, and, you know, the way the game goes, coaches and clubs and injuries, you know, some guys are in favour, some guys fall out of favour and the way to get into favour is to be playing games. So... Um, you don't want to be sitting there. And I think, you know, Simo's said it, that he wants these guys to, to keep pushing through and having a crack and finishing the year off because you can have um, guys who will just slip away, um, you know, uh, almost getting an extended holiday when they know they can come back and play. It it, it does get quite frustrating. And um, I've seen it a few times um, and I've been in those positions as well where you just want to play, but they, they kind of do write you off and, um, it is hard to stay motivated, um, and especially when you think of you know guys on one one year contracts, two year contracts. They're missing a full year of footy when they could have a few games going into a preseason and 
and building from there. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's it's good by the club if they're they're going to make sure that they if these guys can get back and play a few more games at the end of the year that that they let them. Jaden Hunt has been a good acquisition for West Coast, and that was his best game on Saturday night. What have you made of him? Yeah, no, he's been fantastic. He's, he's slipped right in and, and obviously played um, every game. Um, you know, his, his ability um, to play that wing role or um, get down and help support the defence and, and also, I suppose, push forward, you know, with his ability and his run. Um, he's a very good kick, which we've been able to see. Um, and he's really starting to, um, I suppose, take shape and, and mould himself in, into the team. And it's been quite tough this year with, with not having a lot of the senior players around him. Um, but, you know... He looks like he's, he's, he's put his, his right foot forward and um, even though things are tough and they're going through the trenches at the moment, you know, he looks like he just wants to keep improving and wants to keep doing the best um, for the team. And, um, you know, we, we've seen it many times this year and, and on the weekend, yeah, I think he was, um, yeah, he was, he was fantastic to see. Question from Noddy from Melbourne on your previous football life. Is JK hearing anything about the Blues and how unsettled it is in Melbourne how much influence did he feel the Blues' influences, in inverted commas, had over the club compared to the Eagles when he was there? How well does he know Paddy Cripps? I reckon you'd know Paddy pretty well. Um, and he's, he heard from him as to how he is feeling from Noddy. Um, no, no, I haven't. I, um, uh, I've, it's been a long time since I've been at Carlton in, in terms of uh, people there or players there. You know, um, connection obviously with Paddy being a Northampton boy. But, um, yeah, look, they're, they're going through some external stuff as well. Um uh, over the years, you've seen a lot of internal and external kind of pressures come, I suppose, at that club, as, as all clubs get. Um, but, you know, expectation um, for them this year from, from probably internally and then also externally was, you know, pushing to make finals. And there was issues saying, I, I, I read that, I thought Patrick had played finals, but he hasn't played finals yet. Um, so, you know, that expectation and then obviously not being able to perform on field and, and losing those games and being that position where they might not make finals, you can see that um, that pressure has been building a fair bit. But, um, you know, the external noise, uh, a lot of stuff gets said. I think, you know, on the weekend they, they questioned his commitment, um, which was, you know, ridiculous in, in the sense in not having all the facts and saying that he was staying at another hotel and, you know, all these whispers go through and um, everyone wants to make noise, especially... Um, when clubs are down, you know, you, you see it um, during the week, um, obviously with Simo, um, the three-month extended break and things like that. Someone hears something and they think it's correct and they get it out there, then it becomes a noise. And then the player, the individual, the club have to sit there and respond when it's not true. And um, I'm, it's, it's great to see that, um, you know, Patrick is the captain, you know, of the footy club um, and, a, and a massive leader of, of Carlton Footy Club stand up and, and actually say something and correct it because... Um, obviously, he did stay at another hotel, which was after the game, and, and he had the weekend off with family and friends. So um, when you're down, when you're in the trenches, all these little things pop out, especially from the external noise. Um, but, you know, um, I'm, I'm sure with the list that they've got, the Carlton Footy Club, the talent they've got, the players, um, you know, they'll, they'll be a, a team to watch, you know, um, for many years. Um, but at the moment, they're just going through some... Um, obviously, staff resilience building, and you know they're, they're exciting to watch when they're up and about. So, and, and I'd love to see Patrick play finals and hopefully get to a grand final one day and, and bring another medal home to Northampton. Yes, uh, Ross Lyon had a saying, which is a very apt saying: "Winning requires no explanation." And I suspect the opposite is the case when you're not winning. I think uh, <laughs> no, no, yeah. ex, no explanation is good enough. A uh, 
it's a big game against Collingwood this week for for West Coast. I mean, I'm won't be tipping them. I wonder whether you will be tipping them, but yeah. I suspect probably not. What's an acceptable result yeah. against the against the Pies for the Eagles? Yeah, I think it just comes back to that effort. Um, you know, uh, stats-wise or, you know, points-wise, you know, regardless of whether it's 10 points, 20 points, 50 points, 100 points, you know, I, I think at the moment it's that, that consistency and effort. Um, trying to still play the way they want to play um, and, you know, seeing growth in these younger guys. Um, having your leaders, you know, Oscar, Duggo, um, Kelly, Hearn, Yo, Sheed, these guys um, playing well, um, which is what you want to see. Um, and I suppose being able to take a few positives out of the game now. Anything can happen with football. You never know. Obviously, the odds are against West Coast this week with Collingwood and the way they're playing and, and how they have been this year, you know, obviously flag favourites. So um, it's going to be a massive test. Um, there's been a fair bit of pressure um, externally for, for West Coast, but, um, you know, if the effort's there, um, they put a bit of pressure on and they can consistently show that effort over four quarters. I think that's, 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 a, that's a really step forward. Josh, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Always a pleasure to talk to you on thir- on Tuesday mornings, and hopefully we have something no bright and cheerful to talk about when we uh, when we next speak to you next Tuesday. Sounds good. Cheers, mate. Josh Kennedy is a West Coast Eagles legend. He's an AFL life member. He's brought to us on uh, mornings with Mark Duffield thanks to New Farm Galaxy. New Farm Galaxy is the flexible tank mix partner to control broadleaf weed. We'll be back after the break. Live your own way in the powerful Isuzu D-Max. Visit your local Isuzu new dealer today. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. Mornings with Mark Duffield. Yeah, no, we've got uh, an update late last night. Um, yeah, the surgery's all gone well. Um, he has had... Um, uh, some repairs and so on done, but it, we're uh, likely to see Jermaine return in sort of eight to ten weeks' time. So um, we'll just go with the one pick at this stage. Now Duff um, gives Jermaine the best chance and our other guys that are returning uh, that, are, that are destined to return in the back half of the year every opportunity to do so. So we'll have the one selection um, at the mid-season draft tomorrow. West Coast General Manager Footy Operations Gavin Bell saying the Eagles will take the one pick in the mid-season rookie draft. That is tomorrow. A lot of feedback on the temper at Bedshed text line. You can contribute to that on 0487 736 736 or give us a call on the open line. That is 13 12 55. We'll get to your text messages uh, at the back end of the show after the news. But first, let's take some news. Just to sit in, yeah, I had a few chats with, with Jayla over the last sort of five or six weeks and uh, and just touching base there, obviously a real strong connection with him and want you know to check in and, and to see how he's going um, and the offer was there around sort of just coming in, observing through the, um, you know, through the match day experience and I've got some notes that I'll flick back to him and his coaching group work were excellent, really, um, really measured, really... Um, Great communication in the box, uh, and the feeling amongst the the club and the team was it was you know they were they were just businesses as you'd expect. There was no rah rah, pretty introverted group, but mm. you know when it matters they were they were getting it done, and they they play a pretty physical brand. Some of the young boys. That was Nathan Buckley. Of course, he was an observer in the Fremantle coaches box for their seven point win over Melbourne at the MCG on Saturday and very interesting to get his thoughts on what he saw. 
We're going to take a break. After the break, we'll get to your text. A lot of text coming through on West Coast mid-season draft strategy. Uh, a lot of people believing they should take more than the one pick. You can uh, have your say if you want to contribute to that on the Temper at Bedshed text line on 0487 736 736. We'll be back with those texts after the break. Live your own way in the powerful Isuzu D-Max. Visit your local Isuzu new dealer today. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. Mornings with Mark Duffield. Welcome back to the Toolkit Depot studio. We're just coming in on the home run of the show today. Paul Heath has stormed into the studio. He's got something constructive and explosive to say. Heater. You never see people happily storming. Do. So I was going to be like, oh, I'm angry, but I don't, don't really have anything to be too angry about. But <laughs> the storming energy would, would make you think that, you know, I'm angry, but I'm, I'm going okay. But there are some, there's a bit of anger flying around today. Is there? With the news about the Eagles only taking the one pick at the mid-season draft. Yeah, a lot of fan frustration about that. Um, well, let's get through a few of them, shall we? Uh, Lisa from Allenbrook, um, she was saying, I've just lost that one actually, so we might come back to uh, Lisa's text in a moment there. Uh, Westy with a good one on cold chisel. Thanks again, Westy. Uh, the Eagles not taking a second pick in the mid-season draft is another weak move by a club that's not willing to take a chance to try and improve one of the worst lists in the competition. It's a free hit and you have nothing to lose. Yeah, look, I, I've spoken to recruiters who say they're right not to do it um, because they believe it clogs up. There's a lot of resources that go in. You're better off focusing on the people you've already got there. I do think they do, they do need to get something out of those guys that I spoke to Josh Kennedy about. I think it's important they get a result from Rotham. It's important they get a result from Petricelli. These guys have AFL traits. And if you have AFL traits, whether that be speed or evasion or the ability to take a mark or good stamina or good skills... Those guys, because that's what recruiters look for when they recruit, is guys with traits. So if you've got guys in your list with traits, you've got to fully explore them before you discard them. So I, I get that part of it. But for me, I worry about the development of the young players if they're running around in a waffle team with only six AFL-listed players in it for the rest of the year. I'd rather have eight. Yep. And so I'd be taking the two picks. I'd be bolstering the AFL-listed player number at that waffle level. And, uh, and I'd be trying to build off that. And, and at least that is a positive. And if you get a player out of it as well, that's another bonus. It was interesting what JK had to say about it, about you know the sort of player um, that gets put on the long-term injury list sort of basis and you don't want to have too many of them perhaps within a club because that can you know sort of bring a bit of a vibe about it. You know, the disappointment of not being able it's to have something on the horizon. Thing. Yeah, it's always the vibe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought that was a bit of an interesting... Um, yeah, that, and that, look, that's a legitimate take. I mean, it's... But for West Coast, that just is what it is, Yeah, isn't it? I mean, if you said to Jamie Cripps, look, Jamie, if everything goes right with your rehab, you might play two AFL games between now and the end of the season. Mm. Just take the break, take, take a month off now, and then come back, do a, a, a seven or eight-week stint coming into the back end of the season. Mm. Get yourself right. Get yourself ready for next year. Hit the the pre-season summer training flying and let's try and get one really good AFL season out of you after this. I don't think that's going to be a negative. Yeah. I, I think it's how you manage it. It's just my personal opinion. I'm not saying I'm right, but if I was them, I'd be taking minimum two picks at the draft and possibly three. Mm. Possibly three. I mean... It's a crisis. Resources, yep. they've got resources. Yeah. Um, they can do this, and I think there's more upside than downside. Got a few more? 
disappointed to hear Gavin Bell say they're only going to take one pick. If that's the case, I hope they go for local Jack Buller. 199 centimetres, only 22. He could come in and help Bailey Williams. Yeah, so Jack Buller, I like Jack Buller. Um, he comes at the ball with real attitude. He's got that thing that you can't teach in a tall forward as presence. Um, you know, he's, he's chest out. He's full chested at the footy. He doesn't flinch in the clinches. So I like him. Um, I don't think he's the number one pick. So therefore, West Coast, if... Ryan Marich is the number one pick. West Coast are unlikely, even if they took two picks, yep. it's unlikely that Buller gets through to them. Um, a recruiter I talked to said North Melbourne would absolutely be mad to let Jack Buller get past them mm. because he'd be the perfect foil to someone like a Nick Larkey and give him that physical um, presence in attack as well as the goal kicker. Any concern over the couple of injuries he's picked up? Um, so he had one before the state game and then one the weekend after Two the court state calves, game. which yeah. is interesting, yeah. Someone kicking him or...? Yeah, yeah. Well, someone's trying to do him in. <laughs> uh, kind of that. Jack, so I come from Darkin. Jack's got a Darkin link. His father, Kim, yeah. uh, was a Darkin boy and the uh, Bullers were a famous uh, Darkin family, one of the more prominent Darkin families. Um, his uncle, Pat, played league football for South Fremantle. All right. Uh, and Pat Buller was the first ruckman in West Arthur's last premiership team in 1976, Heater. Right. And sadly, I am old enough to remember that yeah, game. That's one to write home about, isn't it? Yeah, that is. <laughs> uh, like the Widgie Moore preferreds. Uh, Davo from Sterling saying, really frustrated to hear the Eagles mid-season draft strategy. If these injured players are really team players, they will step aside, let the club explore some options and sell hope to supporters. Not only are we protecting our ageing players, coach and CEO, now our long-term injury list. Surely there's enough at stake to keep them motivated. We've gone soft and or are tanking, dare I say. Yeah, well, I think it's hard to define a tank. West Coast could be happy to lose and still not tank mm. at the moment. They're so far off the pace, they could go absolutely gangbusters after wins and still not win games. Yeah. Uh, I, if you look at range of performance here, and this is what develops over a team's body of work through the course of the season, West Coast's mean performance is about a 40-point 40 uh, loss. Mm. Sure, could you imagine that? Yeah. <laughs> it's about a 40-point 40, 40 loss. Yeah. That's where, when they've gone out and played and given effort, that's about where they've been. When they've had a poor performance, it's been a 70 or 108 or 116-point loss. Mm. So uh, they don't have to tank. Yeah. They're bad enough to lose right there. without tanking. Four, 40 points is about you know, a time of a quarter lapse, you know, that we've sort of seen, isn't it? And you can sort of put that yeah. sort of figure down on a quarter like that. And, and for people, everyone says never as bad, never as good. Just to put this in context, when West Coast take the field against Hawthorne, four of the back six are missing, mm. four of the front six are missing, and three of the four you'd put inside the centre square for the first bounce are missing. Yeah. And... Out there, there are five players who were short on match practice and really should have been playing in the waffle for three weeks to build fitness. Mm. That's where they got to. So this is mainly about injury, but going forward, there's a massive hole in their list in that middle section of the list between the very young, talented ones and the very old ones that have already achieved. So that's that's the challenge for the club. Premierships are won and lost on the bottom six of a team, are they not? Is that... Is that a saying, or have I sort of uh, uh, yeah, roughened that, was, that up a little bit? Yeah, like that? and there are others that believe it's the the, the top eight that, <laughs> yeah. that make the difference, and the rest of them are just out there running around playing yeah. roles. So it, it depends on who you believe. If the two teams are really even, then the bottom six decides it, mm. because if there are weaknesses there, they get exploited. But 
if your top end is strong enough, mm. you can blow teams away. But I don't know. Six of one. <laughs> you say tomato, I say tomato. Yeah, absolutely. Zero four zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six. You've still got time to get a text in before the end of the show, as Luke has done here. Duff on form, surely young bull S. Hearn is a chance to be captain. He's the right age profile for the West Coast Eagles. Always a touch of mischief in Luke, I have to say, <laughs> and uh, he's uh, displayed that trait again. Well yeah. done, mate. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just to harp on uh, Oscar Allen and how impressive he has been going out there, you know, the being young and the leadership qualities to stand up on a cold night um, when not a lot's going the right way and just be, you know, such a great performance like that. Um, yes. So you sound like you want Oscar Allen to be the next I, captain. I call him the prototype. It, it is like the mad scientists at the West Coast Eagles cooked up a player in a lab and out came Oscar Allen when they first grabbed him. I would argue that Liam Duggan just reeks of leadership. He's yeah. a good enough player to be a captain. He won't be their best player, but he's a good enough player to be a captain. To me, he's got leader tattooed on his forehead. Mm. Let's take a break and we'll be back to wind up the show after the break. Live your own way in the powerful Isuzu D-Max. Visit your local Isuzu new dealer today. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. Mornings with Mark Duffield. Welcome back to the show. We're just coming into the end of the show now. We've got a few more texts to get through that people have been good enough to send in. Hida is back in the studio with me. Hida. Uh, John says, morning, Duff. I can't see a miss kicking 49 goals. And as good as he's been, I don't think he should win the Rising Star, similar to when Hogan won it over Cripps. So we started at 40. You did the maths and we're at 41. And John's up to 49 now. So 50's right around the corner for Jai. One thing I would say is that a 40 plus goal season from a teenager mm. in the AFL system is worthy of note. Now, whether that takes him over and above Ashcroft or Sheasel or any of those other players, it is worthy of note. Interesting to note that when Chris Judd played his first season, Nick Revolt won the rising star because of what he was able to do in mm. a key position as opposed to what Chris Judd did as a midfielder. Mm. Uh Jamie and Bunbury, morning, Duff. Where do you think Freo finished this year? And do you think they are underrated having beaten both Melbourne and Geelong away uh, twice in the last two years? So after saying that Fremantle were gone and jumping off the bandwagon way too early a yeah. few weeks back, I Can't think play they... play finals, I think I heard. Right? I think they can play... <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I think they can play finals. I've said... I'll, I'm going to go back to my pre-season statement about Fremantle. I think if they could play finals, hopefully win a final again and it becomes a plateau as opposed to a step back from from last year. That would be a good outcome. I think they'd be very well placed to push forward from there for the next season, particularly after losing those four players who were all in their best 22, being able to cover that, adjust, and start to go forward again as they have. I think that would, uh, yeah, hopefully they make the eight. I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic they mm. can play finals from here, and, uh, and then that would be a, a tick for the season for me. What do uh, Zach Beek, uh, Ashton Hams, Brendan Lee, Scott Jones, Damon Greaves, James Tunstall and Jai Amos all have in common? Uh, Bustleton. They're all from Bustleton, yep. And uh, actually, shout out to the Purple Rain podcast yesterday. They were saying, is Jai now the best AFL footballer Bustleton's produced? Good question. Mm. And it's early, do- early doors, but uh, yeah, rising star norm, it helps. Any, um, there was a bloke called Phil Kelly who won two Sandover medals. Oh yeah, that's Andy. Who came yep. from Bustleton. Mm. He may He's not on my list. He may, <laughs> he may 
he may still have them covered. Phil yeah. Kelly won Sandoz, I think it was 78 and 79. Yeah. Uh, tall left-footed wingman who could also play centre-half forward. Very, very tidy player. Josh mm. Kelly's father. Oh, there you go. Uh, and tomorrow, Duff, we'll talk a bit of cricket, a bit of origin, and, of course, we'll uh, keep an eye on the upcoming mid-season draft. Yes, the state of origin. State versus state. Mate versus mate. Queenslander. Yes, there you go. I'm going to back New South Wales. Huge. Thanks for joining us on the show. We'll be back with another edition of Mornings with Mark Duffield on SENWA tomorrow morning. Thanks for listening.